Hey, spooky people! I'm Marissa Baldwin. And I'm Emily Law. And welcome back to Unknown Compelling Force. Episode 2. Episode 2? Maybe. Two. <laughs> 2 sounds good to me. So, for everybody who listened to our first episode about the Black-Eyed Children and the Vanishing Triangle of Ireland, thank you so much! We've been wanting to do this and start this for a super long time, so we're really excited that we finally got to, and I hope you guys liked it. We, we were surprised by how many people actually listened to it within, yeah. like, a day or two. Yeah, we just posted it last night, and so far we've had more listeners than we expected, so it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I'm really excited. Um, like we said before, stay tuned for updates about getting on Apple Podcasts yeah. and Spotify. That's going to be soon. Yep, we will let you know when all that happens. If you want more updates in more real time, I guess, uh, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Both are at UCF Podcast for... The sake of continuity and laziness. Yes. And you can also email us with any questions, comments, concerns, or personal stories at ucf.pod at gmail. We'd love to hear personal spooky stories. Yeah. Literally anything creepy that you got, we want to hear it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For real. So today, we are actually both going to work on kind of the same case. We are mm-hmm. both going to be discussing Ed and Lorraine Warren. Yep. World-renowned demonologist duo. My, my favorite old people ever, besides Queen Elizabeth. But that Emily really story. does love Queen Elizabeth. That's a different story. We have, like, a picture of her on our kitchen counter. It's, like, <laughs> on a cookie tin that she put there. Yeah, it's still there. It's been there for months now. It's, I love it. <laughs> She's just part of our kitchen now. Yeah. I can't really talk, though, because I'm sitting here with a cardboard cutout yes. of Danny DeVito, so... Yeah, uh, and I'm sure he's going to be here for every single episode we record, so. Yeah, like, he doesn't say much, but he is the third <laughs> member of this podcast. Um, so that being said, we're going to kind of jump right into it. Before yeah. we get to our individual cases, though, we want to give you a little overview of our beloved Ed and Lorraine Warren. Yeah. All right, so Lorraine Warren, who was born Lorraine Rita Moran, was born in Bridgeport on January 31st, 1927. She met Ed Warren... Plot twist, her future husband, uh, when she was 16. She said that she began having clairvoyant experiences as a child, and she claimed to be a trance medium. Clairvoyance means that she has the ability to gain information about someone or something, so like a location or event, by extrasensory perception, also known as ESB or the sixth sense. Uh, Trans medium is associated with seances to enter an altered state to communicate with spirits and stuff like that. So... That's what Lorraine was all about. She died last year, actually, April 18th. I remember the news when it came out that she died, and I was, like, heartbroken. so sad. Because I had always wanted to meet her. I know. Like, I... I... Okay, guys. So here's the thing. When I was in eighth grade, (laughs) we had to do a research paper, and it could be on literally anything we wanted. So I did mine on the real-life Amityville horror versus the movie. So since I was literally 13... I have loved Lorraine Warren. <laughs> I wonder what your teacher thought when they read it. Uh, Mrs. Dorsey was a baller, so she was cool with it. Sweet. So <laughs> <laughs> she didn't think you were a weirdo. <laughs> I'm sure that she thought I was a weirdo, but I can guarantee that's not why. Um, but yeah, so that's Lorraine. Tell me a little bit about Ed. All right, and her, her, her hubby, her Ed Warren, he was born on September 7th, 1926, and unfortunately he died quite a while ago, right, uh, quite a while before Lorraine did. He died in August 23rd, 2006. Um, so she lived for quite a while without him, uh, which is kind of sad because they did all these spooky things together. That's. But if she could talk to spirits, was she really without him? 
I'm just saying. That's so true. <laughs> if that was in poor taste, let me know. <laughs> it's accurate, though. It makes sense. Um, and Ed was a self-taught demonologist, um, so I don't necessarily think he went to, I don't even know if he can go to school for something like that, but he taught himself, and he was an author and a lecturer. He lectured about demonology, teamed up with his wife, and they've been fighting spooky shit for years. Hell yeah. You might have seen some movies that (laughs) involved Ed and Lorraine Warren, Warren, (laughs) such as literally all of the Conjuring movies. Yes. Annabelle. Yes. Well, they're not into Annabelle so much. But it's known but, that, like, but it's about the they case. have the doll. Yeah. Yeah. And the Amityville Horror. And the Enfield Poltergeist, which, which is, is... The Conjuring. Too. Yeah, The Conjuring. Um, so those are some of their most notable cases, which obviously are now so famous that they're, like, blockbuster movies. Yep. And since we, horror movie fanatics, love those movies so much, we are here to tell you today about the real-life cases of Annabelle the Doll and The Conjuring series, The Parent Family. Yes. So, should we get right into it? Let's get into it. Cool. I want to tell you a little bit about the real-life story of Annabelle the Doll. Uh, unfortunately, when I was doing all this research, it turns out that it is literally nothing like the movies. Which I know <laughs> That's is unfortunate. I know. I know that's literally always the case, but mm-hmm. I figured there would be at least some kind of truth to the movies that just got fanaticized for the film, but it was pretty much that all three of the Annabelle movies are completely fictionalized, and the only truth that we really see is what's shown at the very beginning of The Conjuring. Okay. So keep that in mind. That being said, I want to give you a little bit of an overview of the three Annabelle movies, which makes me want to tell you guys that there's going to be a little bit of a spoiler alert here. (laughs) So this is a spoiler alert, but the movie came out six years ago, so at this point, if you haven't seen it and you're worried about spoilers, that's on you. Yeah, get on it, people. Because this was a super popular franchise. All the horror movie fanatics have seen them. Yeah, really. So Are you really a horror fanatic if you haven't seen this yet? Right. So. Unless you're one of those, like, ooh, I only like vintage horror movies. <laughs> the real scariest movie of all time is The Shining. <laughs> like, no, it's not. Okay. No. Um, <laughs> but okay. So I digress. F- Sorry. I digress. <laughs> so the first Annabelle movie is just about a couple in, like, the 50s, I think, that are... They come in contact with a doll, and it's in their house, and it becomes possessed and starts terrorizing them and trying to take their soul, and that's pretty much the whole movie. It's just this demon (laughs) trying to take these people's souls, and it is unsuccessful. And then the second movie, which is actually the prequel, is about a doll maker who creates the doll, Mm -hmm. and then a house full of little orphan girls. One gets possessed and disappears with the doll. Mm -hmm. And then the third movie is at the Warrens' home, which... Yes. It, like, they have a museum in their house of all their, like, haunted artifacts. Mm-hmm. And it's, a, like, it's very well-known information that they have this yeah. museum that you can, like, go on tours. It's been investigated by lots of ghost hunter-type folks. Mm-hmm. So the third movie takes place at their house, and somebody, like, unleashes all the demons in their spooky demon room, and it takes over their house. So oh, fucking dumbass. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, so those are the movies. I was hoping, like I said, that there would be some truth to them, but there is absolutely none. All three of those movies are actually completely fictionalized, which broke my spooky little heart. That's kind of depressing. I just always want the world to be more interesting than it is, (laughs) so then when I find this out, it, like, breaks me to my core. Um, But now it is my job to tell you the actual story and regale you with the true tale of Annabelle the Possessed Doll. Sweet. 
So like I said a minute ago, what we see in that little beginning bit of The Conjuring with the two nursing students is about the extent of reality that's shown in the movies, which honestly, it's that Conjuring was such a huge success of a movie and everybody who watched it and loved it was really interested in that little beginning introduction about Annabelle. Mm-hmm. And so they took that and made it into its own whole series, which is super cool, but all the, the only true part is what's in the beginning of The Conjuring. But then it became, like, one of the Warren's, like, most famous cases just because of the movies and yeah. because of the doll and people go see the doll all the time. Yeah. Which I will talk about in a minute. But the biggest and most obvious difference in the movies versus reality, which I think most fans of the movies know, is that the doll in the movies is, like, a creepy antique porcelain doll, but the real Annabelle doll was just a raggedy Ann doll. Can you imagine if they actually used a Raggedy Ann doll for the movies? Like, right? That would not be scary at all. (laughs) Not like a cracked, dead-eyed-looking porcelain doll. (laughs) And here's the thing. My mom has a couple of porcelain dolls, and my grandma had a bunch of porcelain dolls around her house. And let me tell you, even the ones that are meant to look cute are still scary. Mm -hmm. So, like, them using a porcelain doll was absolutely the right move if they're trying to spook people. Because I also had a friend whose mom collected Raggedy Ann dolls, and when I went to visit their house, and it was, like, around the time that these movies came out, and I knew that in reality mm-hmm. Annabelle was a Raggedy Ann doll, I was like, um, yeah, we're sleeping with the door <laughs> double locked. Those little things can stay away from me. But because obviously a Raggedy Ann doll is just, like, soft and squishy yeah. and looks like a cute little kid's yeah. toy, like, that's not scary. So the true story of the Annabelle doll centers around those two nursing students, mainly one named Donna, who does not seem to have a last name. <laughs> I looked into it a lot. Just Donna. It's just Donna. Maybe Pinciotti. We Don- don't know. Donna <laughs> We've got a little That 70s Show reference here. Uh, so the Raggedy Ann doll was given to Donna by her mother for her 28th birthday, and it seems that the doll was bought brand new from a toy store, which is different from the movies, which makes it seem like it was from a second-hand store. Yeah. Um, but that was, I think, done so that they could have the, like, origin story of the yeah. doll. Because yeah. if you buy something brand new at the store, it doesn't have a yeah, dark doesn't past. Make sense. Yeah. Right. So it was bought brand new at the store. Once Donna got the doll, she and her roommate, Angie, who was also a nur- nursing student, uh, started noticing strange things happening around their apartment. And at first, it was like that typical demonic possession thing where it starts really small Mm -hmm. and then gets worse. So at first, the doll would move around on its own. Like, its limbs would move. Like, it would cross its legs or cross (laughs) its arms or whatever, like, differently than how it was left. Yeah. Um, And then it got worse, and it started moving to different rooms, and it would move across the apartment either when they were home and they just walked back and it was suddenly in a different place, Mm -hmm. or they would come home and it could be in a completely different room when no one had been there all day. Mm -hmm. So super spooky, obviously. One time they found it standing on its own, kind of (sighs) leaning against a wall, and then once it was found kneeling on its own on a chair, but they thought that was really strange because they had tried to make it kneel, but it couldn't without being held up. Like, it would fall over if they tried to make it kneel. Holy shit. But they came home and just found it like that on its own. Yeah, I know, right? Ew, can you imagine? (laughs) (laughs) Disgusting. Oh, dolls are scary. Right. Dolls are scary. Like, I do not like them. I never have. In my classroom, there's a basket of, like, toy dolls that the kids play with, and some of them are so creepy. And this one girl (laughs) kept putting the doll on my desk and writing spooky notes from the baby. And I I kept them because they were so funny because she was trying to, like, scare me with the scary doll. And I'm like, that's just a baby doll in a kindergarten classroom and I'm scared. I can't imagine if it was a real, like, 
porcelain doll or Raggedy Ann doll yeah, just moving oh around. Oh my god. Dude, I would poop my pants. That was like um with the two year olds that I usually work with. They have like a little basket of like baby dolls and like yeah. some of them have markers all over them. Yep. Most of them are naked. Uh, some of them are like have one eye that's permanently shut and yes. one eye that's permanently open. <laughs> Why does that happen so often? Like that's such a that always happens to dolls. And that's, I know. that's when you know it's time to throw it out and get a new one. Oh fuck yeah. My god. Alright. Back to the story. So after they noticed it moving around the apartment, things got worse again, as mm-hmm. usual. And Donna started finding notes left around the house on or near the doll that she said was written in childlike handwriting on parchment paper. What the fuck? Which was extra creepy because she said that they didn't have parchment paper in the apartment. <laughs> like, they didn't own it. She had no idea where it was coming from. And these notes would, like, show up near the doll, and they would say creepy things. Like, in the movie, the doll wrote the note that said, like, miss me after yeah. they threw it out. Oh, yeah, I remember that. So in the movie, they, like, threw it in the garbage, and it came back and wrote miss me all over the walls. Yeah. Um, a, in reality, they never threw it out. And B, the notes said, help us, or help Lou, which was referring to Angie, her roommate's fiancé, Lou, who had been staying with them. Which was kind of interesting for me to read, because in the movie, when the Warrens are interviewing them, there's the two girls, the two nursing students, Mm -hmm. and then a random guy sitting next to them, who I assumed was just, like, a a, a guy friend. And I was always like... What are you doing here, sir? <laughs> what Turns, is your purpose? What is your purpose, white man? Me literally all the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, but turns out he was her fiancé, so that's a pretty good reason. All right, there we go. Um, <laughs> um, so one day, when Donna came home, she found blood on the back of the doll's hand and found a few drops of blood on its chest, which is when she said enough was enough, and she called a medium to come look at the doll. So this is kind of hinted at in the movie um, when the blood of like, Annabelle Higgins, like, drips onto the doll, Mm -hmm. and that's, like, supposedly when the doll became possessed. Mm -hmm. Um, So the blood dripping onto the doll comes straight from truth, surprisingly, even though it's a very small part of the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, So she found blood on the doll when she came home, and that's when she decided to call medium. And this was about a month after the paranormal activity had begun, a little over a month, and they were starting to get scared and figured that there was definitely something going on and that they needed some help. So the medium held a seance with the girls and the doll and discovered that the spirit of a seven-year-old girl named Annabelle, who had died in a car accident near the apartment they lived in, had taken an interest in their doll. Mm-hmm. So it was just like the spirit of a little girl like yeah. messing around found this doll, which makes sense. Girls like dolls, I guess. So it's kind of like when we talked about with the black-eyed kids. Mm-hmm. And actually, I think we mentioned this when we were talking about that, that it was that thing that famously demons do where they'll like... Yeah. pretend to be, like, a little girl or something really innocent mm-hmm. so that they can manipulate people yeah. into pitying them, and then they get what they want out of it. So Exactly. Typical demon move. Fucking demons. We know your M.O., demons. <laughs> so, like the demon wanted, or spirit of whatever dark nature mm. wanted, the girls took pity on the little girl ghost mm-hmm. and gave her permission to inhabit the doll and live with them. Classic. Yeah. Which was obviously... A mistake. Mm-hmm. Which later, after Ed Warren got involved, he said, quote, The woman had told them, the medium, that there was a spirit of a seven-year-old child in the doll by the name of Annabelle, who had been killed outside their apartment house in an automobile accident. Well, there was such a child, but God does not allow a child's spirit to go into a doll. This doll was a devil 
a demon inside the doll, which was impersonating the spirit of a child. Interesting. Right. So, which is kind of what we expected. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, this is, like, the one kernel of truth that the movie is based on, with the Annabelle in the movie being named after a little girl who was the daughter of the doll maker, mm-hmm. um, who was hit and killed by a car. Okay. Then, as a demon took hold of a little girl named Janice, and it was in the same house, she changed her name to Annabelle, was adopted by a family, then went on to join a satanic cult and break into a house and <clears throat> yada, 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 possess the doll multiple times. I don't know. It was all very confusing. Yeah. So, but that's, like, the one bit of truth that the movie is based off of was the name Annabelle, okay. obviously. Yeah. They couldn't just change the name. After the medium told the little girl <laughs> that she could move into the doll, obviously things continued to get worse until the doll physically attacked Lou, who was Andy's fiance, twice. Mm-hmm. So once while he was sleeping, he woke up and he couldn't move and saw the doll was sitting at his feet. And then he watched it, like, slide up his body and choke him until he passed out. With her little porcelain With, hands? No, it wasn't even porcelain hands. Raggedy Ann dolls are just stuffed. Oh, yeah. It was just little Duh. stuffy hands. <laughs> just choked him right out. All right. Um, and then he said when he woke up the next morning, he was fully convinced it was real and had really happened, even though there wasn't any physical evidence mm. or anything to prove it. But he was completely adamant that he wasn't dreaming, that it was totally real. Sleep paralysis. That's, that's exactly my thought. Yeah. Anyone who has ever experienced sleep paralysis knows that that shit feels real. Yeah. Like, there is nothing that convince you, can convince you, that it's yeah. not. Especially if there was no evidence afterwards. Right. Um, which, I, f- oh, I feel like I should do an episode on sleep paralysis. Oh, yeah, definitely. That shit's crazy. It's so creepy. And it happens to a lot of people. It, it's only happened to me twice, but it was two nights in a row. That's fucking scary. Yeah, it was really scary. The first night, this was when I was in college, my senior year. So I was in my dorm, in my bed, sleeping, and I shared an apartment with a couple of my friends. And I was sleeping, and I was, like, frozen, Mm -hmm. but I kept, like, turning my eyes to look next to my bed. Mm -hmm. And you know how dorm beds are, like, up really high? Yeah. Yeah, so I was up really high, and this thing that looked like a burnt skeleton, Mm -hmm. like a weird burnt body skeleton alien looking thing, yeah, just kept running towards my bed. And it it just kept running at me and like running up to the edge of my bed, like right next to my face, because it was like short. It was like yeah, that's, a, a little shorter than that's me, so it was scary as not well. much taller than my bed, yeah. so it was, like, right in my face. And then my roommate, who I lived with, started, like, pounding on my door, and that woke me up, but I couldn't move. And she just opened my door and said I, I kept screaming. Oh, oh, my God. Yeah, and I didn't even know that I was screaming. Oh, my God. And I just sat up and started, like, swinging my pillow, and I was like, get away from me! Because this thing was, like, a, like running at me. Like, it was terrifying. This fucking... Where are we? <laughs> Back to the sleep paralysis. Yes. So the second time that Lou was attacked by this doll, mm-hmm. the three of them were looking at a map to plan a road trip and heard a weird, like, rustling sound come from Donna's room. And mm-hmm. Lou went to investigate after the noise stopped. And he went in, he opened the door, turned on the light, and saw the doll in the corner, and he started to walk towards it. But as soon as he did, he felt like there was somebody behind him. Mm -hmm. So he turned around really quick. And as soon as he did, he felt like a really intense pain in his chest that made him, like, keel over in pain. Mm -hmm. And he lifted his shirt and saw seven scratches across his chest, four horizontal and three vertical, Mm -hmm. that he said burned and itched really, really bad. But 
that they said cleared up entirely in like two days. So that's not really normal. And the amount of scratches is weird. Right. Usually I feel like in a lot of demonic type things, it's usually in threes. Yeah, because it's the mocking of the Holy Trinity. Do we know that because of The Conjuring? We know that because of Zach Bagans, my king. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't get me started on Zach Bagans. Don't feed his ego. <laughs> <laughs> my real gods are the ghost hunters. Don't come for me. Uh, so after this incident with the scratches on the chest, Donna obviously got the vibe that this wasn't the cute little girl ghost they thought it was, and they called Father Hagen, an Episcopal priest, and he immediately called a superior, Father Cook, who put them in touch with the world-renowned demonologists, <gasps> Adam Marine Warren! Bringing up big guns. Woo-woo. So they requested that Father Cook perform an exorcism on the doll, which he did, and he also blessed the apartment, Donna, Angie, and Lou. Mm-hmm. And then Donna was still, like, creeped out by the doll. She just didn't want it anymore, mm-hmm. so she just asked the Warrens to take it, which they did. And obviously, very famously, put it in their little demon room of haunted yep. artifacts. And she's still there in a glass case to this day. Yep. And I think we've all seen the pictures of the glass case with this or, little yeah. raggedy end doll that says, positively yep. do not open. Or her, or Lorraine carrying the yes. animal doll. Yes, that's good too. That's a good one. Classic. Uh, however, that is not the end of her reign of terror. Oh, shit. Yeah, that's right. Ed Warren said, quote, Many of the objects in this room here have been, have had dire effects on people. People have been maimed, have been killed. People have wound up in mental institutions because of many of the things that are right here in this building. You have the voodoo dolls, you have the Raggedy Ann doll, which was responsible for the death of a young man who came in here one time, who challenged the doll to do its worst, and it did. Fucking dumbass. Yeah. So there's, there's always this guy in oh, yeah. every horror movie and every spooky thing. Uh, The story goes that this young man came in on a motorcycle with his girlfriend, and he went on the little haunted museum tour Mm -hmm. that they give, and he taunted the doll and kept, like, tapping the glass, and he was telling the doll to attack him and to prove that it was real Mm -hmm. and to scratch him like he had supposedly scratched Lou. So, obviously, Ed just kicked him out of the museum. Oh, yeah. Like, you, you can't do that. Come on. So then about three hours later... He lost control of his motorcycle, hit a tree, and died instantly. And his girlfriend was on the motorcycle with him. She survived, but was hospitalized for, like, a year. Karma's a bitch. Karma is a bitch. And so are demons. (laughs) Yeah, I said it. Demons are bitches. (laughs) The demon's name is Karma. (laughs) This demon is named Karma. Uh, So even though it's enclosed in a glass case and blessed routinely by a priest... It is still harming people. So if you go to the Warren's Museum, uh, don't ask it to kill you, because uh, it might. And also, just as a side note, these paranormal things with Annabelle were going on for about a year before Ed and Lorraine got involved. So mm. in a year's time, it went from, look at this cute little doll yeah. I have, to it's scratching and choking my friend's fiancé in the middle of the night. Please help us. Mm-hmm. And they did. I just want to mention that the... Um, Annabelle doll, along with all the other artifacts that Ed and Lorraine collected over the years, are in the hands of their son-in-law. Tony, I think his name is? Tony! And he most recently made an appearance um, on Ghost Adventures. I of think, course I think, I think last Halloween, or yeah, last Halloween, I think, Zach had Tony bring over Annabelle to Zach's Haunted Museum. And this dude brought Annabelle in a fucking violin case 
took it out with oven mitts. What? And <laughs> I'm not even joking. And then put it on a chair and just told Zach, don't fucking touch it. And you know Zach. He touched it. Wow. But. Shocking. Yeah. I mean, he's still alive, so who knows. Should we move on to? <laughs> I think it's time to move on to our other uh, famous Ed and Lorraine Warren case. I'm very excited. All right. Let's do this. So, the other popular case we're going to bring you tonight, the Perrin family haunting, I guess you can call it. The Conjuring is based on this event that happened with the Perrin family, and it is a case that the Warrens tried to help out in, but you'll hear about that a little later on. Alright, so like I said, the first Conjuring is based on this event. Um, There's a lot of, obviously, Hollywoodized stuff in the movie to make it more scary, I guess you could say. And the location for this event is the Arnold Estate in Rhode Island, and this building was built in 1736. And the Perrin family moved here in the winter of 1970, and they spent 10 years there. Wait, in the movie it seemed like two weeks. Well, the thing is, they couldn't move out because they were... Like, they got the house for such a decent amount of money. Oh. And they didn't have the money to be, like, to move out right away. Right, which I think they talked about in the movie. Yeah. And it that's kind of the case in a lot of scary events, but also just scary movies, where it's like, no, all our money is tied up in this place, we can't just leave. Yeah. We have no ability to leave. And they were a family of, like, what, seven? Yeah, so they really just, they didn't really have a choice. It was such a good deal, and there was so many rooms. I wonder why. It was such a good deal. Exactly. Straight up, when we were looking for apartments, every time we would talk to a landlord or a realtor or whoever, and they would ask if we had any other questions about the place, we would have our normal questions, and then at the end I'd be like, all right, bud, I'm going to ask you this honestly, and you can't lie, is it haunted? (laughs) And they'd always, like, laugh and be like, ha ha, as far as I know, it's okay. I'm like, mm, you think I'm kidding, but I am not. (laughs) I've seen that movie. I've seen all the movies. I know that if, especially how where, it goes. where we live now, it's yeah. such a nice place, and, mm-hmm. like, it has so many things that houses in this area don't have, mm-hmm. and it's so affordable. Yeah. Which is, for, like, for the neighborhood we live in, that this is such a steal. So I was yeah. fully expecting some poltergeist bullshit the second we moved in, but so far, so good. So far, so good. Except for that... Anyway, no, we're not getting into that. <laughs> we're not getting into that right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's for uh, another time. All right. So, like I said, they spent 10 years there. They didn't really have a choice. And the Perrin family consisted of Roger and Carolyn, who were the mom and dad, and then their kids, Andrea, Nancy, Christine, Cindy, and April. So they had all girls. And the seller of the house did not disclose the history of this estate to the parents, which I don't know if it was illegal in the 70s, but it sure as hell is illegal now. You must disclose if something like this happened really yeah i didn't know that you have to or else you can sue cool so like if someone was murdered in this house and then our landlord tried to sell it to somebody he'd have to be like oh yeah someone died here they were murdered or else if you found out you could sue them real life would it make you more or less likely to move in i wouldn't move in i think it would depend on the circumstances of the death or murder yeah like i mean if it was a murder probably not you know i think I'd be okay with that. I don't know. What kind of murder are we talking? Are we talking like a satanic cult murder? Or are we talking about like a wife who's fed up with her husband murder? Like, Okay, yeah, that makes a little bit more sense. Unless, yeah. How much demon shit is encompassed in this murder? Because that's what I care about. 
All right. <laughs> so to get into the history of the Arnold estate that this seller left out. Uh, conveniently <laughs> conveniently left out to this lovely family with five girls five kids in the late 18th century a woman there a 93 year old woman they referred her as mrs john arnold so they refer to her as her husband's uh, name is <laughs> the 18th century what are you gonna do not the shit I like she hung herself in the barn oh that was on the property of the house and still is to this day okay and next Eleven-year-old Prudence Arnold, who I believe was their daughter, was raped and killed by a farmhand. Oh Jesus! Yeah, Johnny, who they just said was a relative of this family, took his own life by hanging himself in the attic of the house. So now we have a death on the property, in the barn, and in the attic of the main house. There have been records of a decent amount of drownings that occurred in the creek by the house. Yikes. And, for some strange reason, four men froze to death mysteriously on the property. What? Wait, all at the same time? There's just no other information. They, That's they, all they said? Yeah, they're just like, oh yeah, some four dudes just randomly froze to death on four the property. Four homeboys had a pecked. Yeah. Which is, like, it's not like that area is super secluded. What the right. fuck were they doing? A whole new meaning to crack a cold one open with the boys. <laughs> When you go to crack a cold one open with the boys, but you and the boys are the cold ones. <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to make a joke out of these men's death. Move on. <laughs> this was like fucking 200 years ago. It's fine. <laughs> too soon. Too soon. So, like, a little information about the property today. There was a woman named Norma Sutcliffe that ran the day a daycare in that house until last year. And she said that nothing ever happened. And she... Okay ran that daycare for like 20 years and okay um i said i would move into a house with weird death um i would not send my child to a daycare there especially if you've seen what the house looks like i don't really understand no i would do no such thing anyway currently as of i guess last year or this year Corey and Jennifer Heinzen are the new owners and they state that things happen there all the time and they actually hold ghost hunts there for okay. money. Okay. So you gotta pay to go into this house and ghost hunt. Okay, so then clearly that makes me just not believe them. A little sus. If someone had a daycare there that long and didn't experience anything, and suddenly people buy it and want to make money off of it, clearly yeah. they're gonna say things yeah. are happening. because of all the Conjuring movie hype. Right. Everyone's gonna be like, oh, this is the actual Conjuring right. house from the movie. Like, like, that's like the Sally house. Like, the people who now own the Sally house just don't let anyone in. At all. Like, the, I guess the old owners used to let various paranormal teams come visit, but now the new owners are like, nope, you, no one is allowed here. Just leave us alone. I sort of like how they do it with the Lizzie Borden house, where it's sort of like you can rent out a room for the night, like a hotel kind of thing. That's dope. Although I do think it's up for sale. That's uh, awesome. They're trying to sell it, but... Maybe I'll go buy that house. <laughs> Would you still be my roommate there? Honestly, yeah. Sweet. I, I feel like she did do it, but that's another story. <laughs> Any whore. <laughs> Any whore. The oldest, her name was Andrea. Um, she said, like, as soon as the family moved in that they felt something was off right away. So they that's, all did? Yeah, that's pretty classic. Yeah. And she stated that one night, not long into their moving in, her younger sisters came into her room crying. 
And eight-year-old Cindy said that someone kept whispering to her, there are seven dead soldiers in the wall while she was trying to sleep. What the fuck? (laughs) Yeah. Wait, okay, hold up. Why wasn't that in the movie? Because that's terrifying. I know, right? Dude, voices like that, and especially little kids, when they say they see or hear something, and it's something really vague like that, that all the parts of the sentence separately are not scary, Mm -hmm. but when you put it together... It's really fucking scary and not something a little kid would come up with. No. You know no, what I mean? No, definitely not. So, I feel, oh, that should have been in the movie, man. I know. That's a really good story, whether it's yeah. true or not. It's like, okay, how did these dead soldiers end up in little the walls? Little kids be creepy sometimes. Yeah, she was eight years old, so she could definitely be a little creepy. And some other things that happened that are sort of classic. Uh, there was a spirit in their house that kept them awake at night crying mama. Ooh, I have a very similar personal story. I'll tell you after. <laughs> and they also said that a young boy would wander around the house and Rory move, and move the girls' toys. So yeah, that has some Was it Rory from the movies? Yeah, that has some like fact in there from the movie nice. is that they did see a young boy and he would play with their toys. Yes, it's Rory, my man. And Carolyn, who, just a reminder, the mom, she stated that the broom would move around different places, so sort of like Annabelle. Oh, okay. Like, I don't know why a broom, but it would just end up in the weird places. The ghosts are trying to do chores. <laughs> Nobody helps exactly. me in this fucking house. Exactly, listen to this. She said that she would hear disembodied sounds of, like, the bristles brushing against the floor. Weird. And she said that sometimes she would find little piles of dirt or, like, dust. Oh, my God. In the middle what of the forest. What a helpful ghost. I know. Who is she? Like, she must have been a maid or something. Because it was a really big house, right? Yeah, it had a lot so, of rooms. So they might have had, like, a staff, you know? Like, it yeah. could have been a maid. I mean, they they had a farmhand, so I assume they might have had people helping them right. inside, too. Even, a, you know, someone who owned the house. Yeah. And they're used to, like, upkeep yeah. of their house. And it's, like, a habitual haunt kind of thing. Yeah. That's super interesting. Because, like, they talk about not... Everything in that house was evil. Okay. There were some friendly right. things, but obviously evil seems to trump the good. Yes. So the girls, the daughters, they also said that like they befriended a spirit named Manny, mm-hmm. who would stand in the corner of their room and watch them play with a crooked smile. Terrifying. <laughs> but they said they befriended this man. So some other kind of common phenomena that happened in this house that pretty much happens with, like, all these paranormal stories. Mm -hmm. They said that their beds would levitate off the ground. Furniture would glide across the floor. Doors would open and then slam shut. Classic. Very classic. You see it. You see it everywhere. Did I tell you about my bed shaking at my last apartment? No. No. Okay, so I... It, it happened a lot of times, but the first time it happened, it was the middle of the night, and I woke up to my entire bed just shaking. Where, where was your last apartment? Um, on Westminster, so like two streets over. Oh. And it was really weird, and honestly, I woke up and was just pissed off. I'm like, if you're a ghost, <laughs> I'm trying to sleep. Like, I love like, that fuck attitude. Off. But then it happened so many more times. I would just be sitting on my bed, and all of a sudden my bed, the whole thing would start kind of rocking mm-hmm. when I was just sitting completely still. Mm-hmm. And I would freak out. And then one time 
uh, my roommate was in my room with me when it happened, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh my god, it's happening right now, it's happening, because I told them about it, and they didn't know what I was talking about, like, yeah. it didn't happen in their room or anything. So, she was in there when it happened, and I told her, and we looked around, and, like, I had a pair of pants that was hanging off the back of a chair, and mm-hmm. they were swinging, and I, there was a mm. cup on my nightstand that was, like, the water inside yeah. was moving, and I could even see my TV a little bit was rocking. Like, for yeah. some reason, my entire room was shaking, but we were standing completely still, That's and then so it was just, like, all the furniture. We couldn't hear anything. It was just, everything was just so subtly rocking, and it happened probably once a week and it didn't happen in any other room of the house that's so weird and it was it was super weird but i remember the first night i woke up i was like ah fuck my house is haunted god damn it yeah. <laughs> like, i didn't need this oh, right now shucks <laughs> uh, okay anyway sorry i keep derailing you i'm sorry <laughs> no it's okay i like these stories i just have a million of them yeah um and they said that like a lot of this spirit smelled like death yeah uh which makes sense uh, pictures would fall off the wall, which we also do see in the movie. Right. And late at night, things would yank on the girls' legs and oh. hair while they slept. Oh, that's a nightmare. Which sometimes, like, I used to always be that person where, like, I'd have to have every one of my limbs under the blanket. Mm-hmm. But, like, now that I'm, like, so assimilated to the spooky and supernatural. Right. Like, if I'm hot, like, I'm just gonna let my feet and my legs out. Like, I don't even care anymore. Right. Like, demon, take the wheel, you know. I'm so tired. (laughs) I want to be on autopilot for a while. (laughs) But, yeah, I used to be like that where I was like, nope, if I'm all, everything's under the blanket, I'm fine. Right. You know. Because ghosts don't know how to pick up blankets. Exactly. They can pick up beds. Just not but, Yeah, you know. <laughs> and there's one spirit that, well, I'm, I would think it's a demon, that they refuse to talk about in detail, but Andrea mentioned that this demon may have molested her and her sisters. <gasps> oh, my God. So I think succubus? Yeah. Yes. That's probably what that was. And what? if you guys don't know what a succubus is, they are demons that usually prey on people when they're sleeping and molest them. Oh, my God. And there's there's plenty of tales about them, too. I'm sure we can talk about them sometime. And... It, kind of like the Iroquois legend with the black-eyed children, how it would, like, impregnate mm-hmm. human women to have little demon babies. Mm-hmm. And obviously the most well-known evil in this house that was also mentioned in the movie is a demon named Bathsheba. And Bathsheba is a local legend, and she was an actual woman uh, in the 1800s. Her name was Bathsheba Thayer, and she actually did come to live at the Arnold Estate. And she was charged in the murder of either her first child or the neighbor's child. I've seen two different stories, but I'm inclined to believe that it was the neighbor's child, and I'll tell you why. The child was found with its head impaled by a sharp object... (gasps) And people around town said it was a sacrifice to Satan and that Bathsheba was a Satanist and that they think she summoned the devil to grant her the gift of beauty. So she killed a baby just so she wouldn't be ugly? Yeah, have you ever heard of um, that woman? I think she was a queen in, like, just hundreds of years ago where she was said to have killed, like, over 300 young children and she would like bathe in their blood i'm doing a i'm doing a coloring book page on her i just forget her name dude we should talk about her we're gonna talk about her that's awesome i mean (laughs) but that's 
Interesting. So, yeah, they think that she was like, hey, Satan, if I sacrifice this baby, will you grant me eternal beauty? And he was like, fuck yeah. I remember that from the movie. They talked about how um, she had a child and then somebody found her murdering it and then she, like, proclaimed her love to Satan and, like, killed herself or something. So, yeah, I do remember that bit from the movie, Mm -hmm. but not that much detail. It's not the most accurate because... um, she didn't just, like, oh, get caught and then kill herself. She actually lived in the estate for the rest of her life. Oh, okay. And then hung herself from a tree behind the house. Word. And legend says that her body mysteriously turned to stone. Damn, Medusa. Oh so, yeah, she's, like, she might have been looking at Medusa or something. Uh, and I'm just gonna, like, fact check that sort of legend part of Bathsheba. She did live in that house, the Arnold estate, with her husband. I read that she was involved in her neighbor's child's death. Like, she was watching the child for her neighbor. Okay. Uh, But there's no, like, official record of a trial ever happening. That's why she lived the rest of her life, like, in the Arnold estate. And both her and her husband died in the 1880s. And her tombstone is in a nearby Baptist cemetery there, so... Interesting. Which is, which I thought was weird, too, because if they're like, oh, she's a fucking Satanist, why is she buried in a cemetery? A Baptist yeah, religious cemetery. Baptists are quite strict. Yeah, like, I'm not Baptist, so, I'm Catholic, but I figured, like, that's I know probably a, the same. I know a lot of Baptists, and I am very familiar with their sect of Christianity, and it is, it's quite strict. Yeah. It's, I I, I can't. It sounds weird get. that they would allow, especially a, like, back then in the eighteen hundreds, right. when people were super super religious. Yeah. I doubt they would bury a satanist in a holy cemetery. A satanist murderer and give her a killer. tombstone and everything. Yeah, sounds weird. Anyway, yeah, but you can find it. She's got her name on it and everything. So can we go check it out. Yeah, we should. Should I we add that to our road it. trip? Yeah, I was thinking about it. Fuck yeah. So, regarding, like, Bathsheba's, like, ghost or demon, whatever you want to call her, Mm -hmm. the family would see her, and her face was gray, and her head was bent to one side, like the bent neck lady from the Haunting of Hill House. Ooh! She seemed to hate Caroline the most, and I read that it's sort of, like, probably because Caroline was a mother. And so Bathsheba was kind of, like, either jealous of that or just was not liking the matriarchal thing going on. Right. So she'd pinch her, she'd slap her, throw objects at her. And one day, Carolyn was laying on the couch and a sharp pain went up her leg. And she found a puncture wound in her calf that was already starting to bleed. And when I read this, I was like, oh, damn, like like a decent-sized wound. She said that the puncture looked to be made from a sewing needle. Interesting. So really little. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, oh, I thought it was going to be more. More of a gash. Yeah. I thought there was going to be a huge, like, climax there, but sort of disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> so after this had happened, apparently, like, Bathsheba possessed Caroline, and Roger Perrin was like, all right, I've got to call the Warrens. And so the Warrens came over and were like, yeah, something's fucked up here. And Lorraine, it, okay, so in the movie, we see Caroline get possessed. 
and Ed Warren is seen exercising her. That never happened. Ed is not an ordained priest. Right, okay. He cannot perform an exorcism, and he knows that. They knew that, so that didn't actually happen. Interesting. Instead, Lorraine performed a seance, and they had all the kids, like, out of the house, but apparently Andrea was there, the oldest. Okay. And she was, like, hiding and watching them, and Lorraine was performing a seance with Caroline and I assume Roger and Ed, Mm -hmm. and Caroline, I keep calling her Caroline, but I think it's Caroline. It's Caroline, yeah. Yeah. She kept speaking in tongues, and she was being, like, thrown around the room, like, Andrea, Andrea, like, came out with a three-part series, like, book, like, a trilogy sort of thing on this, and she talked about how she saw her mom just flying, like, 20 feet into the next room, like, stuff like that. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. And... So, apparently their attempt at cleansing the house didn't work, and it only made things worse, so Roger got understandably pissed and was like, yeah, you guys should just leave. And so that's kind of, like, the gist of what happened, and they they somehow survived ten years there, and I'm not sure over what period of time this all happened. Like, I don't believe the seance and stuff happened until, like, a couple years later, I think. Like, they moved in 1970. I, For some reason, 1973 sticks out to me. So I think that's when the Warrens showed up and didn't work. And I did just kind of want to play a little bit of Devil's Advocate for this case because, you know, there's always going to be people that are like, that's all bullshit. There's a lot of people that tried to, like, discredit the Warrens and say, like, they were just trying to take people's money and stuff like that. Which, there's always going to be that with anything paranormal or kind of weird. There are always going to be people who are saying that it's kind of like a hoax just for money. I mean, it was the same with the Enfield poltergeist. They were like, oh, this little girl's making this shit up. Right. Like, for attention. Right. But we'll talk about that case another day. (laughs) (laughs) A conversation for another time. And so I just wanted to, like, mention what I was reading on a website called grunge.com. And they were kind of playing devil's advocate and talked about sort of, like, Carolyn's behavior. And she sort of was the type of person that was attention-seeking, which is worrisome when you think about whether or not these events were real. Right. Uh, she was destructively impulsive, and I think her, even Andrea, her daughter, had mentioned that. Like, she, Carolyn put the down payment on the Arnold house. Right. Without talking to Roger or her family. Like, she just did it, and they're like, um, okay, I guess we gotta move in. And apparently she often fainted a lot while her husband was, like, near her, and then, you know, he'd have to come, like, save her or whatever. What? Which is strange. I don't know what's going on there, but... And even before they moved into the house and before Carolyn had, you know, known about the Arnold estate, she claimed that she could sense presences. Right. And she was really into New Age spiritualism, so... Okay, so that could explain some things. Yeah, so, like, that kind of stuff makes me... Not second-guess everything. Right. But sometimes I feel like 
people that like try to seek the paranormal on purpose often end up getting more than they bargained for. Yes. So if Carolyn was super into like spiritualism and believing in other worldly beings and you know if she she thought she was sensing presences and stuff and wanted to sort of enhance this experience maybe she did a little something something played some Ouija or something played some Ouija <laughs> by Hasbro and and, <laughs> and then this stuff started happening I because like I don't know what to believe regarding the present situation with the right. Arnold estate like yeah whereas that lady was like Oh, I lived here for 20 years, and I it was a daycare, so many kids came through and nothing happened. And then the current owners that have it now are like, oh, yeah, shit happens. Like, Are they talking about what kind of shit happens, or are they just repeating what they heard happened back then? So, interesting story. I watch a YouTube channel called TFIL, and okay. I think I mentioned you, them to you before. And they're doing, like, they're currently doing, like, this 24-week road trip haunting thing oh my god that's a dream yeah and one of their more recent episodes they went to the conjuring house Dude, so they like met the current owners and the current owner talked about you know what's been going on and they have like this huge like security camera system set up in the whole entire house and so like the tfil it's just like a bunch of guys they were allowed to investigate the barn they were allowed to investigate the house and they even played hide and clap in okay. the barn and in the house. All right, here's the thing. Um, so I play hide and clap with my kindergartners <laughs> all the time. It's one of their favorite games to play, like, at the end of the day when, like, kindergarten is done and we're just doing, you know, like, waiting for moms and dads to show up. Mm -hmm. And we've got, like, three hours of that every day. So it gets kind of boring. So I have them play hide and clap and they love it. And I don't know how to tell them that that's from a horror movie. <laughs> But, like, they're so cute just, like, sitting under tables clapping. Like, yeah. So I mean, I think it would be fun in the daytime in, yeah. like, one classroom, like, one area. Right. But, but otherwise, that could be a little spooky. Yeah, like, these dudes were playing it, like, in the movie, but they were playing it with, like, you know, they would blindfold each other. Yeah. And then the guy, like, videotaping the whole thing would just have night vision on, so it's just pitch black. <gasps> And the others would go and, like, hide somewhere and then do the whole clap thing. Dude. We should play hide and clap in this house. I think I'd shit myself. You sure would. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Um, the best thing to come out of that movie was hide and clap. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. I should try that with the four-year-olds that I work with. Dude, my kids love it. I feel like they wouldn't get it because they just don't, they don't even get Duck Duck Goose. <laughs> roast it. But, but anyway. <laughs> Boom, roast it. But I love them. But anyway. Yeah, so that's the story on uh, the parent family, and I believe, like I said, Andrea still does some interviews once in a while. She came out with a few books that I'm sure you can get on Amazon, which I might read. I don't know. That would be cool. It would be like a, a different perspective than what Hollywood is going to give you, so I think yeah, that exactly. would be pretty cool. She has the first-hand experience, and I'm sure she talks about her mom more thoroughly since obviously she grew up with her yeah and um, and she was the one to mention like her impulsive behavior and right. stuff which that is very interesting to me like it doesn't explain away anything that happened because there are six other people in that family who mm -hmm. very obviously experienced yeah. really wild things and if they brought in famous demonologists and it was still so yeah 
real that it was made into a movie and it's very well known case. It can't just be one mom who overthought things. No. You can't explain how she flew into another room. Right. Andrea witnessed it. The Warrens witnessed it. Roger witnessed it. So unless it was sort of some sort of grand scheme. Yeah, but that you know. sounds like a, a lot of strings to pull for that to work. So I, I don't think that. I think, I mean, it's like with Annabelle, the whole big movie franchise at this point, like it's a whole trilogy, mm-hmm. was based off such a small kernel of yeah. truth. And that's kind of what I expected in this case, but it mm-hmm. seems like it was pretty close to what actually happened. Yep. But obviously in a dramatized movie way, but still a lot of exact connections yeah. that were that really happened. So that's way more interesting, I think, when it's that's the case. Yeah, I just think there wasn't much story behind Annabelle yeah. and the origin of her, so they kind of just fabricated it. But with, yeah. like, these cases, the Perrin family and the Enfield haunting, like, there's witnesses besides, like, the Warrens, especially right. in the Enfield right. one, like, the police. Yeah. Um, they had other investigators come, like, doctors and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, which we'll talk about, but I wonder what you guys think. Yeah. Any, like, any thoughts you guys have? Like we said before, if you have any thoughts, any theories, any more information we didn't cover, uh, let us know. I mean, let us know if you think the Warrens were bullshitters, but yeah. I think if you're a fan of the spooky, you're not gonna think they're right. bullshitters. <laughs> There's, I just, you know, I just want the world to be interesting. Yeah. I want to believe so many things. And you don't want to believe that, like, even up into her 90s, she was still, like, Lorraine was still, like, oh, yeah, this shit was so real. Like, she, to the day she died, she talked about how horrifying these cases were. Right. So, I, Absolutely. you know. So, yeah, I'm inclined to believe the truths from the real-life case. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, you can't believe everything you see in the movies. But oh, no. I am inclined to believe a good amount of it. Oh, yeah. I, I'm To say, like, everything that I mentioned happened, who knows, but I'm sure... Something was going on. Yeah. Like, you know, like the broom thing with the little piles of dirt. That's I found that kind of funny. I think that's cute. I know, cute but like, ghost. you really think that, you really think some demon, I'm not a demon, but a spirit is going to just fucking start cleaning Well, a lot of, cleaning like, habitual hauntings are like that. They just do things they did when they were alive. Because they know, but think they that they're show, alive. But is there, like, evidence left behind of them doing that? You know what I mean? Yeah. That's fair. I mean, also, this happened when people didn't just have cell phones. They could pull out and start recording noises and pictures and whatever Yeah, that's the problem. I mean, I wish. (laughs) I wish there was some evidence of that, but I'll take their word for it on that. Because what a weird thing to make up. Yeah, I mean, I don't have... I I wasn't there, so I can't say whether or not it did happen, so... So, yeah. But good job. That was really interesting. I know. There was so much stuff that, like... really neat differed yeah you know and was interesting they should have included I feel like absolutely because the things that they did include were good but I I feel like there was they were somehow more yeah and there was usually like with Annabelle there was such a small amount of truth that blew up into this whole franchise of things that clearly didn't even kind of happen but in this case it seemed like the opposite where they could have fit more oh yeah just small things like that in you know what I mean? And I do wonder why they decided to do that exorcism. Yeah. Well, part. because the movie's got to end in a climax. So it's got to end with the good guys winning, everybody's happy at the end. That's true. Cause it's like, got to have, it's got to fit that movie formula where things are getting really bad, really bad, really bad. There's a climax, then it's solved. That's true, because I don't know how Unless they you're would've... Infinity War, there is no <laughs> solving. 
you just leave us all hanging like that. I don't Rude. know how they would have dispelled the demon from Carolyn's body when they had the seance, unless it just willingly left. Right, That's exactly. my question, I guess. Right. So, I guess that makes sense that they did that for the movie, but they yeah. included a lot of other things that were true. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it makes sense they did that. But, yeah. Good movies. For, absolutely. Good movies, yeah. All right, now that we've spoiled the entire movie for you, <laughs> if you haven't gone to see it, go see it now. Yeah, It's probably I mean, on Shudder or something. I think on. The Conjuring was on Netflix for a while. Yeah, it was. Um, it might still be. But yeah, so. I think. Uh, thank you guys again so much for listening. Um, and as a little micro-announcement, we are hoping to start campfire episodes at some point. So we would like to share our own spooky stories that we've experienced, but we want to share spooky stories from you guys. Mm-hmm. So if anybody listening has any kind of scary stories about haunted houses, finding dead bodies, seeing UFOs, yeah. run, hearing Bigfoot outside your tent when you're camping, any of that kind of stuff, you can email us at ucf.pod at gmail. And we want to hear that, and we might share your story yeah, on an episode. we want to hear it, we want to share it. Yeah, so keep that in mind. Stay spooky, my friends. Stay spooky. Whoop, whoop.